Aloha, wise askers. Just a quick intro atop the intro. Uh, this will be the last episode of this, let's call it a season. I will continue to record live shows on the Wisdom app, so feel free to get that app on your phone or your iPad or your tablet or what have you, and uh, get notifications if you want to come chat with me or listen live. Otherwise, I will see you when I have another big old batch of these. Please. Enjoy the show. And remember, our Undoing Radio will be coming back on Wednesdays, and Paratopia uh, is perpetual on Fridays. So, thanks for listening. Here's an interesting question from the people at Wisdom App. What role should spirituality and mindfulness play in AI development? Um, well, <laughs> this is so beyond 59 seconds. Uh, I'll try. It won't play any. It will in the sense that we understand spirituality and mindfulness, uh, which is to say further confusion, further ignorance, and ultimately war at war within oneself and with each other as we seek answers and blah, blah, blah. That's all within an AI developer to have, and perhaps they'll transfer that onto AI. But if we were whole... If that sense of self that creates what they that calls spirituality, mindfulness, were no longer the case, would we even develop AI? I had one of those questions, you know, the little one minute hot take questions from Matthew C. King, which I cannot figure out how to pull up here. Oh, well, maybe I can. Ah, perfect. It was too, it's too long of an answer for a one-minute thing, so I thought I would do a show about it. Uh, so he asks, in the evolution of man, why the hard push to mechanize every process? Why do we begin to ration and creatively envision new ways to be human? Um, I'm not certain what you mean by ration, um, but I think I, I get the rest of it. So... Um, I'll read it again. In the evolution of man, why the hard push to mechanize every process? Why do we begin to ration and creatively envision new ways to be human? Um, well, <laughs> hmm, where to begin? Um, let's start somewhere else. Let's start with free will. What is free will, really? Um, and I, I've talked about this on our Undoing Radio. Um, I've probably talked about this on Wisdom app here. I don't know. I want to take it from a different perspective, which is we've been here for many thousands of years, as you're talking about the evolution of man. And so we've been here doing the same stuff over and over and over again. And you could say that our the way our brain-body complex is set up, um, the, the sort of spheres of influence or range of choices within those spheres of influence um, are the spheres that exist in all life on Earth, at least. So, you know, here's talking about having a lizard brain and a mammalian brain and so on. It's the reason that we can identify with and um, 
even have compassion for and understand and um, all other beings on earth and they us. Um, whether we do or not is another thing. You know, you can be like, oh, a cockroach is gross or oh, a snake, scary. But if you get past that, um, you can probably start to identify patterns of behavior similar to yours and understand them that way. So, you know, man, at, at least, is an amalgamation of you know, sort of a greatest hits package of behaviors that we see all around us in other beings. So our choices and our free will, while I guess arguably uh, greater than those beings around us, transcending and including those choices, I suppose, um, it's still it's still those spheres of influence. And so our actions, uh, while they feel new to us because we were just born, you know, within however old you are, I don't know, within a span of a hundred years or so, you're, you, depending on how old you are, that that's how long you've, you've been here. Are you, you know, probably unless you lived to 106 or something. Uh, but let's say you're younger than that. Oh, I don't know. I think I, I'm turning 50 this year. Let's say you're 50. You've only been here 50 years. That feels like a long time to you, but you've only been here 50 years. And so it feels as though you're making all these choices on your own for 50 years, right? Like you begin. And of course it's a great illusion because when you're a child, you know, you go through adolescence, babyhood into adulthood and, and your ability to make decisions and form opinions and make judgments and all of that grows and evolves through time. And yet, if you look at long time, um, all of these people, 50 years old and younger <laughs> and older, um, are making the same types of decisions over and over and over again. The only thing that's changed now are, is that we, uh, you know, we have invented technological means of expressing some of these things that we keep doing over and over and over again. So the hard push to mechanize every process, well, that's one thing. But let's say, why do we begin uh, to creatively envision new ways to be human? We're not envisioning new ways to be human. We're envisioning um, the same old ways with a new coat of paint. Right. And I mean, essentially what we're envisioning are ways to go on ways to live forever as a human. Um, and by human, we mean white male patriarchal westernized capitalist human, uh, unless you live like in Russia or China, and then you can add yet another coat of paint to that of like, uh, whatever it is, communist oligarchy, dictatorship, whatever it is. But essentially, you know, human doesn't mean all of humanity, even though we like to pretend that it does. It means whatever we are and then block out the rest. But even if I'm wrong, even if we do mean all of humanity in that altruistic Disney way, it, it's the same thing. We're not envisioning new ways to be human. We're envisioning ways of prolonging our lives. Because the other thing about us uh, that we don't know is that beyond... And that's what free will get, gets you, right? That this is, this is the range of what we're doing with our free will. But what we don't realize is that when the self that we are trying to preserve dissolves, and therefore free will is gone, dead, 
in that moment is uh, it's a revolutionary moment. And if there is such a thing as truth with a capital T, if there is something truly new that cannot get through, cannot become you because you're too busy blocking it out with all of this old stuff that you think is new. If such a thing exists, that is wholly you. That is wholly human. That is something that is being blocked out by the psychological construct, which is a construct of time. When time dissolves, the psychological construct dissolves, the timeless becomes you. And so the body remains of time, the sense of self even resurrects in some certain way. But you are now wholly self-aware as timelessness through time. Timelessness transcending including time. The self-awareness of that timelessness uh, is now the self-awareness of the vessel, the body in time. And that's new to you, (laughs) right? Like that's, but that's what we are, but we continuously block it out with our wanting to be autonomous as we are, wanting to be free as we are, having free will, and and we want to live forever. But that again, that's a dysfunction. That is a denial of your wholeness that's blocking it out. And as we continue to do that, we continue to create um, artificial means of being whole. And by that, all we all we are trying to do is prolong our lives for as long as possible possibly forever, right? We want timelessness. We want, we we don't want, in other words, we're blocking out timelessness. So we're trying to bring that sense of timelessness to us in the form of eternally existing here and just sort of shuffling our, what we hope is a soul around from mechanism to mechanism. Uh, the, the first question, which is in the evolution of man, why the hard push to mechanize every process? Um, I think that's, I, you know, I think that has changed somewhat because it used to be, you know, you do things out of convenience, right? <laughs> like, because you don't want to do them, so you mechanize them. Why wouldn't you want to mechanize every process? Um, if it means that you're, I mean, in the, I was going to say, if it means that you get to just be lazy, cause that was the promise that used to be the promise of like mechanization equals more free time, uh, more vacations <laughs> and less work. And of course it doesn't, doesn't work that way because, um, well, corporate reasons. And also like just the, the acknowledgement that capitalism can't go on as a, uh, structure forcing you to work if there's no work. So why the hard push to mechanize every process? I think that was sort of the promise in the beginning was just more, again, more freedom, more artificial freedom, more free time, um, time as freedom, the irony. But, uh, but then it became, um, what you're talking about in the next sentence, which is like envisioning new ways to be essentially not even human, but to be God what we consider to be God. That's really what we want here. Uh, and so I think, I think that has evolved or devolved along the lines of our deepest repressed yearning, which is that the thing that we block out the most with fear is the fear of annihilation. And uh, with annihilation, I, you know, unbeknownst to us, 
comes our actual wholeness. It's just, you know, you don't realize you're in an egg until you peck it open with your beak, but you don't want to peck it open with your beak because you don't know what's out there. It could be scary, but no, you peck it open with your beak and then you go, go be a bird and you fly. But that's just a guy telling you that on the internet. So that has no reality for you. And so deeply, even if you want that to be the truth, um, it's scary. And so again, um, that is so pushed way down there that I think like even our wanting to just create like can openers and stuff to save time is an expression of that. It's a shallow expression of, you know, wanting to quote unquote be God or be eternal or whatever, but it's saving time. It's giving you more time to what be alive, be free, be doing something else. And all of these things aren't really freeing. All these other doing something else's aren't, aren't comfortable and aren't free. Um, but we keep telling ourselves that because that's what we've got to work with unless we abandon everything. And again, that means pecking out of the shell, which who wants to do that? So that's, that's that. <laughs> uh, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? I don't know. Um, but it's something that's so easy to see once you actually have sort of dissolved the cell or pecked through the shell or whatever. All these things are just so freaking obvious. So that's it. That's why we are mechanizing ourselves. Um, and, and we can call it whatever we want. We can call it um, preservation of the species. We can, you know, but come on. <laughs> now, the other question is, is it going to happen? Right. Uh, and I keep seeing these, these things uh, online of people, you know, sort of wistfully dreaming of this mechanized future. Um, and it goes one of two ways, it, which are simpatico ways, actually. They're not mutually exclusive ways. One is that the hideous, odious Elon Musk, savior of humanity, blasts us to Mars or blasts himself to Mars. And then we, and we eat cake. Um, and then we go colonize that, you know, colonize, right? Because that's gone so well here. We're going to bring that colonization to other planets. Uh, the other way, of course, is the sucking your soul juice out of your body and, you know, siphoning it into a computer system or a cloud or something, you know, and then, <laughs> and then you go get to be a robot person or whatever. Um, these are, these are, you know, generally how we like to imagine ourselves going. And I saw recently last night on, on a, a Facebook page, somebody had posted about what if AI, what if we're not the first ones to make alien contact? What if our AI is, and the aliens make contact with our AI first? Like this is mind blowing stuff, right? <laughs> um, and my answer to all three of those things is that earth is in fact alive and sentient and we are a facet of her sentience and she's not going to let us go anywhere or do anything eternal like that because we are sick. What's sick heals or dies the end. And so the consequence of our never waking up to this and all of our many thousands of years of quote unquote evolution is uh, she's about to go flick and that's it for us. Uh, you know, that's just a consequence. <laughs> there, there's no, that's not judgment day. <laughs> you know, there's no religious component to that, but we sure have, we sure have inoculated ourselves from that bit of truth by setting up 
uh, apocalypse scenarios in our heads, in our religions, in our fiction, um, in all of it. Uh, so that way it can be a nice horrification that's out of our hands and, and not at all our fault, not our, or not at all our responsibility, I guess is a better word. And if you ask uh, the Lakota, at least, the Hopi, at least, probably other First Nations, I'm sure all of them, maybe, uh, we've, they've been here and done that. You know, this is what, the sixth or seventh cycle, I think the seventh cycle. And they've been us. We're not, in fact, evolved. We're little brother, as the Kogi people call us. Um we just think we're the adults in the room, but we're actually in our terrible twos. And so perhaps we need to go through uh, this type of thing and unfortunately take everyone with us as we go um, to grow up. But can we, or are we at a point where like we're just too destructive and too crazy. And so like, there is no coming back from nukes for us. There is no coming back from uh, a climate disaster that, you know, essentially triggers an ice age where the only people who live are like the military and political and billionaire class who have built giant underground structures, right? Like, and then what? They get to resurface and <laughs> be the same goofballs. I mean, hopefully after a few generations of very, very pale underground children, <laughs> Uh, when they come up and see the sun and see what, what grandma and grandpa did to the world, uh, they might have a change of tune from fascism and dictatorship and oligarchy and all that. But uh, probably not. Probably the pendulum keeps on swinging back and forth between such types, as we say in politics, the right wing and the left wing. But really, it's just a swing on the pendulum of um, selfishness. Uh, which, again, is part of the package of thought, which is time, free will, which is phony, and uh, that's it. That's the free will. The free will is to stay on that pendulum swinging back and forth, thinking you're making progress, then getting pulled back, then making progress, then getting pulled back, and then we keep going, why, why is this happening? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And then we get sick of blaming ourselves and we go, oh, why are they doing this to us, these political leaders? Uh, well, who's controlling them? Like, you know, you, you could say, like, at least in this country, in America, you can say, well, you can vote them out. Oh, well, no, it doesn't matter because they're all controlled by a secret cabal of whatevers. And the list of blames go on. And it doesn't even matter if it's true or not. It doesn't matter if there's a secret cabal of whatevers. It doesn't matter... The fact is we're all people and that this society is acceptable. Um, and by that, you know, the least of that means acceptable in the sense that we'll let it go on and gripe about it. The fact that that's the case, we'll, we'll be in pain as long as it's the pain we know, the discomfort we know, better the devil you know, right? That's on us. That's on all of us. And that's on not just us as personal individuals like feel guilty about it, but it's on this mind of ours. And we don't have a whole lot of people who have um, truly dissolved that mind to tell us about it <laughs> anymore. They're all, you know, it's all ancient history. It's so ancient that we don't even know if they existed or not. You know, were they just mythical characters created by 
you know, the political structure at the time, or did they really exist? Um, and then the people that we have nowadays are mainly, you know, uh, culty crooks or people who claim to know too much. So this is the pickle we're in. And so you can't look to anyone else. You can't even look to me. You can't ask me these questions without doing the work yourself. That's, that is it. And it sucks because even that language has now been co-opted, like do the research or do, do the work on your own. That the, the idea of doing that has been co-opted by again, like new age and right wing politics. And it sure fits in with that American ideal of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and doing it on your own. But in this case, not in those cases, but in this case, it is true. In those cases, that's a way of telling you not to pay attention to um, education or community or form community with um, anyone who is not like-minded to be insular because that's the way the fascists can really get you. But in this case of this all or nothing truly is black and white, you know, you're awake or you're asleep, um, which is to say you are of this mind, this stream of quote unquote human consciousness, Westernized consciousness, or, or you're out. It, it is that black and white and society can't help you with that. You can listen to a guy like me who can point to it and say, this is what I'm talking about here. Um, but it's you who has to actually ponder these things on your own um, and not come to, not to come to a conclusion even. I mean, this is, this is why it's so difficult because what we're talking about here, though, we're talking about it in words that you understand. Um, we're talking about it so differently because we're backwards. Like we're bizarre. Zaro mirror backwards versions of truth. <laughs> so what tr truth demands is the dissolution of self, not the furtherance of self, not the talking about this in groups forever and ever and ever and pondering it or making a judgment and saying, I want that. I don't want that. I believe that. I don't believe that. It, it's simply like the, the core kernel of it is just how, how does one be silence? How does one not be the self, be you? How do you not be you? How is that even possible? It's not possible through evolution. <laughs> it's not possible through, uh, you know, constant pondering and meditating and yoga and all of that stuff. It's unraveling the self. How, and, and, it, and I've talked about this before through positive negation. You can't say what, for instance, love is. You can only say what it is not. Love is not jealousy. Love is not, you know, go down the list of things. Love is not violence. And yet these are how we in practice, uh, use love, mean the word love. We won't say it out loud. We'll say, Oh, what we mean by love is, you know, that bond, that, that, that bond we have and that openness and that acceptance and all of that unconditional compassion and, and all that. But, mainly in practice, though we do some of that too. Uh, we do a lot of the other stuff. So we don't know what love is. I mean, that's the answer. We can use all these words, but if we peel away the things that we claim to know, then we're left with nothing. And if there is such a thing as love, which transcends and includes you, 
uh, not you include it, but it is there regardless of you being blocked out by you, then it will become the case. So through silence, uh, which is the ending of the stream of what we consider to be normal consciousness, uh, in that silence, wholeness becomes you. So you don't even have to positively negate every single psychological dysfunction you have or pot or, or every single large question of like, what is love? What is beauty? Is it something that you're projecting or is it something that inherently exists that you occasionally notice and are taken in by, and then go back to normal, you know, these types of questions, um, all of that, you don't have to go through every single thing one by one. You just have to do it, deconstruct them until the aha moment hits you. The moment where you realize you're that person doing that. <laughs> like all of this stripping away down to nothingness, all of this getting to silence uh, still requires a person doing that. And oh my God, that's me. That's why I'm never getting there because I'm constantly there. I'm the one doing things. I'm the one in the way. And when you get that so deeply, not as like, because I'm telling it to you, not as a rational sort of, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's just one plus one. That makes sense. But deep down, and you can only get there alone. It's resolved. The body resolves you because you are a projection of the brain, of the body. Or if you've moved to heart of the heart, you are a projection of the body. And so the body stops projecting you because it sees the futility. It's projecting you to gain this thing called silence, to gain this thing called nothingness, and ultimately love and truth and blah. And when you get to the point of not doing that, but but actually opening up and actually becoming blissed out heart person, because you are losing that sense of self. Well, even that is a sense of self. And so even that person has to go. And that's what I mean by deep down. It's like, like you can transform from brainiac maniac into, you know, interconnecting natural being, which is healthier and more whole and more alive and more freeing than what you were before. And that's why people who do that often become like wide eyed, blissed out. Ah, look at me people, which I was one at one point. Uh, but even that person has to go. And that person is even harder to tell that to because they think they've already let go because they've already given up society. They've given up, uh, the want in my case, um, it just naturally went away. Like I didn't want a career anymore. I didn't care about work. It wasn't that I didn't want to work. It said it just didn't matter. So I could go to work at a, I could go to work at a crap job forever and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what I did. And I thought that that was, that had to sort of be enlightenment, right? Like whatever that was. Um, but it wasn't. It was a revelation for sure, and it was a better place to be for sure, uh, but it's still another um, anchor point f from which you can build your character up. 
so there's something about the, the body that needs to understand all of that. And when that happens, that's the ending of time. That's the ending of psychological time. Um, and that's the end of wanting to mechanize ourselves or this desire to achieve, to put ourselves into the future, you know, this straight arrow, we're going forward into the future. And not only do you see, not only does the, the want of all that stuff drop off, it slows off like old snakeskin, but you see through it, you see what it actually is, and you see the facets of it, the racism that is inherent in it, the nationalism that is inherent in it, the selfishness that is inherent in, in it, the fear that permeates all of that. It's all very obvious. And so even when we talk about like humanity evolving, that's not, we're not even saying what we mean. And again, I go back to what we mean is the society that we were born into or that we most identify as, that's the thing that we call humanity. That's what goes on. We just assume that other countries and other, other nations of people uh, who, if they're not like us, it's that they aspire to be us, but they're either stupid savages or they've got some stupid savage dictator keeping them from shining. <laughs> right. But, uh, it, it, it ain't that. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I hope that was somewhat helpful and somewhat answered your question, Matt. And if anyone else, uh, has questions, feel free to write them to me. Or I think this wisdom app, this has a chat box thingy. Feel free to write to me if you want uh, me to address anything, or if you want to like, come on and chit chat with me, go ahead and do that. Or you can write to me, Jeremy at our undoing.com. If you ever want to talk to me on this wisdom app or want me to address something, I'll do it. All right. Take care everyone. And thanks for listening. Mead Diaz asks, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, what hard lesson have you learned about life? Oh, it's really about people that no amount of explaining something true uh, in as concise and articulate a way as possible gets them to hear it that way because everybody listens with their expectations, with their desires, with their so-called body of knowledge, with their derisiveness, oftentimes their dismissal, or their falsely embracing under the pretense of other things that are not factual about what you're saying that they've heard before. And so they think they're on the same page with you and they're not. So people just don't know how to listen. <laughs>